I'm going to put something down here for show and tell so I don't forget. So just remind me in case I do. Happy Sabbath, friends. You know, I tell you what, it's nothing, there's nothing that matches being in God's house on God's day with God's people. And so praise the Lord for the blessing of being here together. But now that I'm looking at the clock, I'm realizing, wow, what a powerful moment when at the noontime hour we can begin a feast. Amen? (laughs) So we're going to pray together as we get started. As Harold mentioned, we are on a journey together. We're going through the farewell discourses of John 14, 15, and 16, but we're going in reverse order throughout this series. Last week we looked at John 16, and we looked at the special, specific promise regarding the privilege of prayer, and not just any kind of prayer, but asking prayer. Do you remember? We talked about it. Jesus in these chapters is not just talking about prayer as in your conversation with God, but he's talking specifically about asking. He's talking uh, very intentionally about petitioning God, requesting and even demanding from God, and realize that this is a very special time. Uh, Last week, if you missed the message, uh, maybe you can find it online at our website, parkwood.adventistfaith.org. Uh, but it's, we're starting this, uh, the privilege of prayer. Last week was part one, this week is part two. So the privilege of prayer, part two. And last week we recognized that Jesus himself died and rose again so that you and I could ask. Amen. If Jesus himself valued prayer so much, not just any kind of prayer, but asking prayer. If Jesus valued asking prayer so much that he would go to the cross and go through the empty tomb so that you and I could have that privilege, why is it that we neglect the privilege so easily? Friends, I believe God is calling our church not just to be a church with prayer, but a church of prayer. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Not just one that that tacks on a prayer at the end and the beginning of a meeting or a ministry opportunity, but one who recognizes, a church that recognizes that we can only move forward on our knees. And so God is having us on a journey, the privilege of prayer, part two. Are you ready to eat? Yeah? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we need you every hour, but especially just now. We ask God that you would send us your spirit as you have promised, the spirit of truth who will guide us into all truth. Lord, we want to know your will for us. How can we ask whatever we wish in the name of Jesus so that we would receive? God, this is such a sacred privilege and some, a privilege maybe that we rationalize, a privilege maybe that we, that we have been disappointed by in the past, but Lord, help us to understand what your will is for us today. Please, as we open up the Bible, open up our hearts. We pray this by the saving name of Jesus. Let the family say, amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and I'm using the New King James Bible today. If you don't have a Bible, there maybe is a red cover pew Bible there in front of you. Whatever Bible you've got, whether it's on a, on a phone, an Android, whatever it is, we want to read the Word of God because I don't want you to be changed by what I have said, but what we have read. Amen? All right, so we're going to the Word in John chapter 15. Now remember, Jesus is about to leave his disciples. Jesus is about to Uh, he's about to depart. He's transitioning into a new day. 
He will no longer be personally present with his disciples, so he is preparing them. All right, he is preparing them. And in John chapter 15, the theme of his preparation is about a vine and its branches. You remember this? John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the what? He does not say, I am a vine. Nor does he just say, I am the vine. But he says, I am the true vine. In other words, Jesus recognizes that in the minds of his disciples and many others, that there was a, there was a assumption that Israel was the vine. And Jesus is setting it straight. It's not that by belonging to a certain people that you are saved, but it's by belonging to me. I am the true vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Notice now in verse 4. In verse 4, here is the command, the instruction, the imperative. It says, abide in me, and I in what? In you. Abide in me, and I in you. Jesus is talking about something very, very significant. The significance of this can be seen in the word itself, the verb itself. My Bible says abide. What does your Bible say? Remain. Okay. Does anybody have a different version right there in in verse 4? Dwell. Okay. So we're not just talking about a touch and go connection with Jesus. We're not just talking about, hey, every now and then, every seventh day, I'm going to stop in and say hi and show my face. No. Jesus is talking about abiding, remaining, dwelling. The Message Bible says, live in me. Uh, Maybe you've been uh, somewhere where you've had to kind of uproot and temporarily go somewhere else for an extended period of time. Maybe you remember your college days, your your student days. Uh, Maybe you were at a boarding academy or something, and you had a temporary address at that school, at that institution, but your permanent address was where? It was at home. It was at home. And Jesus is saying, no, your permanent address is with me. With me. Abide in me and I in you. It's a two-way street. Abide in me, and I in you. And so he's talking about, uh, in in this context, in this chapter, he's talking about having a connection that is real. It's organic that he calls it as a vine to a branch. Organic. I I mean, I don't know how many of us have the chance to, to hang out in a garden, Uh, but at the house that we're renting, we, we have a chance to plant some tomato vines for the first time. Red, Juicy, mm-mm good, right? <laughs> and we're talking about a vine and a branch. A branch is not separate from the vine, but a branch is part and parcel with it. Every fiber of it is connected to every fiber of the vine. Every ounce of life force, every ounce of sap that it gets comes only from the vine itself. And so the, the, the The metaphor is very real. Abide in me and I in you. And it's in this context of abiding that Jesus gives us powerful promises of prayer. Or maybe I should say specifically, powerful promises of asking. Let's read it. Let's read it. We already read it this morning. Let's take a look at it again. Verse 7. John chapter 15, verse 7. If you're there, say amen. Amen. All right. It says this, if you abide in me. And my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Amen. 
Who is saying this? And who is he saying it to? He's saying it to disciples who are representative of disciples of all ages. Amen? So he's saying these words to people who claim to be followers of Jesus. This is a powerful promise. This is a blank check promise. This is a promise that you just kind of, are you serious, Jesus? Do you know what you're, <laughs> do you know what you're getting into? Whatever you ask, it'll be done for you. It's a promise, and this promise has a condition. Did you see the first word of that verse? If. If. That is a condition. What is the condition about? It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So again, that, that organic connection, that life to life, that fiber to fiber, that dwelling permanent address condition. If that is reality, then the promise is yours to take to the bank. So let's talk about this condition, the condition of the privilege of prayer. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. This is a little bit different. Did you notice? It's a little bit different than the words that we read in verse 4. Compare it a little bit. Just lock your eyes on verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. And then lock your eyes on verse 4. It says, abide in me in verse 4. It says, abide in me and what? I in you. In verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. All right, so verse 4, verse 5, we're seeing something very similar. I abide, no, you abide in me, I abide in you, Jesus says. Verse 5, you abide in me, I abide in you. Verse 7, if you abide in me, and what? My words abide in you. It's a little bit different, but it's, it's demonstrating to us that my words abiding in you, Jesus' words abiding in us, stands in parallel with Jesus himself abiding in us. Do you catch that? So what's going on here is Jesus is saying, look, when my words abide in you, you have the personal presence of Christ. Do we know the experience of someone's words abiding in us? Maybe you've grown up and uh, maybe you've had a, a certain uh, parental figure who just had a, a way with words or maybe, maybe there was just like something that your mom or dad always said that just kind of, it really guided your steps and decisions throughout your life. I don't know, have you had that experience before? You, you find yourself as an adult and then all of a sudden the voice of your, you know, your teacher or <laughs> the voice of your parent just kind of pops in okay, I should do this instead. You know, for me in high school, the, the motto that kind of ran through my mind, uh, it was actually not a parent, it was not a teacher, it was an MC Hammer song. I'm, <laughs> I have to You guys remember that guy? Parachute pants? Anyways. Um, but the, the phrase was, go with the flow, it is said. If you can't go with this, then you probably are dead. Anyways, I don't know why I just told you that. But anyway. <laughs> But it, it was a motto. These were words that actually dwelt in me. Powerful, by the way, powerful side note of the power of music. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what words abide in you. Anyways, fortunately for, for Godfrey, little Godfrey, fortunately those words didn't get me into trouble. They just kind of kept me moving. It kept me moving. Okay, I was really hesitant about the situation. Hey, just go with the flow. Go with the flow. You know. Okay, so it just kind of moved with it. Anyways, but Jesus is saying, Inasmuch as human words have this power to abide in you and actually affect who you become, 
my words have infinitely more power to do so. Cross-reference with me. Just turn a few pages to chapter 6. Go to the left. Chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 63. John chapter 6, verse 63. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, a few more. John chapter 6, verse 63. My Bible has got these in red letters again. John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus is saying something about his words. Notice, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are what? Spirit, and they are life. In other words, the words of Jesus have power to give you life. If it was Jesus who in the beginning was with God and all things were created through him, if it was Jesus who said, let there be light, and there was light, cannot Jesus speak to your dark heart and say, let there be life, and there will be life? Jesus says, if you abide in me, if you secure a connection with me, and my words are so deeply implanted in your heart that it's giving you life, you're going to have the promise of my presence in you. Wow. We can't take for granted opportunities to let the words of Jesus abide in our hearts. Whether it's Sabbath school, whether it's uh, church service, whether it's your personal time alone with Jesus in the morning or in the evening, whatever it might be, those are opportunities for the living words of Jesus to abide in you. Opportunities for the living presence of Christ to be at home in you. So that's the condition. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, then you can ask. When you have this kind of connection, when you have this kind of oneness that you are at home in me, and I'm at home in you, my words are abiding in you, then, then you can ask. Well, ask what? According to John chapter 15, if you turn back, you will ask what you desire. So we've just talked about the condition. It's abiding in Jesus. It's having a oneness with Jesus so much so that I'm one with him and he's one with me. Okay, that's a, that's a, that's a supernatural condition. It's one that's available to us. And now we're talking about the content of our prayers, okay? The content of our prayers. And Jesus says, ask whatever you desire. Maybe your Bible says, what you will, what you wish what you want. Ask whatever you desire. And again, the natural side of me says, come on, there's got to be some sort of catch, right? <laughs> and the catch we've already talked about is the condition. Think about the significance of that condition. When I'm one with Jesus, and he's one with me, when I'm so connected to him that all my life comes from his life, when I'm so one with him that all I want is what he wants, so united with him that all I love is what he loves and all I will is what he wills, then I can ask whatever I desire. This is radical. <laughs> is anybody with me? Because I remember a, a text that in 1 John chapter 5, Maybe we can cross-reference that together too. Okay, so keep a bookmark here in John 15. Go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. If you've hit Revelation, you've gone too far. 1 John chapter 5. 
and verse 14. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. When you're there, say amen. amen. All right. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Again, reading from the New King James, it says this. Now this is the confidence or assurance. Maybe your Bible says boldness. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything... What is the rest of it? Oh, okay, okay. So this isn't whatever you want, right? It's ask anything according to His will. He hears us, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Okay, so John later on is writing to, to, to other disciples, and he's saying, okay, you can ask whatever if it's according to God's will. So how does that harmonize with John chapter 15, where, he's, where Jesus himself is saying, ask whatever you will. Well, this harmonizes in the sense of the condition again. When I am so one with him that the things he wants are the very things that I want. Let me read for you something. You know, every morning when, uh, when we gather around the breakfast table, we pull out this little book called Our High Calling. It's a devotional book of Ellen White statements. And um, just this week, we came across something on page 219. And let me read it for you. It says this. Christ can and will, if we submit to him, fill the chambers of the mind and the recesses of the soul with his spirit. Oh, amen. Notice. Then, when he fills the chambers of the mind and heart, then our will will be in perfect harmony with the divine will. Our spirit and will may be so identified with his spirit and will that in thought and aim, we shall be one with him. Whoa. So everything hinges. Our asking hinges on our abiding. Our asking hinges on our abiding. Or maybe specifically, the rightness of our asking hinges on the realness of our abiding. So are we abiding? Later on, or earlier on, sorry, Our High Calling, page 147, it says, they that are abiding in Jesus, at home in Jesus, one with him, getting life from him and in him only, they that are abiding in Jesus have the assurance that God will hear them because they love to do his will. Okay? It says, because they love to do his will. When we're abiding in Jesus, we have the assurance that he hears us because they love to do his will. Then later on, and in the name of Jesus, they present their wants. Whoa. So their wants are so closely identified with his will when we're abiding in Jesus and his words are abiding in us. Wow. Does anybody want that condition? Amen. I long for that kind of abiding. And when we have that abiding, we get to ask whatever we want, knowing that when we're abiding, whatever we want is whatever Jesus wants. Wow. Now, his will may not necessarily be for me to drive around a Ferrari around Modesto, okay? Maybe not a red one anyway. Okay, here's the point, here's the point, okay? When we're abiding in Jesus, the things he wants become the very things that we want. Wow. So the question that I have is, Jesus, what do you want? You know? What is it that Jesus wants? I believe his will, his want, his desire is very, very broad. It could be many, many things 
at various times and in various ways, okay? So I'm not gonna pretend that I can limit God to determine like A, B, and C of what you can and cannot pray for. I'm not gonna do that, all right? Because when we pray, yes, we get the privilege of praying in Jesus' name and also by His Spirit. His Spirit lets us know what we ought to pray, when we ought to pray, when we're abiding in Jesus, okay? But what I do know that is on the top of God's prayer list, on the top of God's desires, at least in John chapter 15, is that the branches would bear fruit. In this context, when we're looking at John chapter 15, you can flip back there with me. You can flip back there to John chapter 15. You'll notice that, you know, in in verse 2, it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Okay, so he's looking for fruit. He's looking for fruit. And then in verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. So Jesus is is almost a tunnel vision. He's zeroed in. He wants the branches to bear fruit. And he knows that the only way they can do that is to abide in the vine. So what is fruit? What is the fruit that Jesus is talking about in John chapter 15? Verses that come to mind, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness. Did I miss one? Temperance. All of these things are beautiful. All of these things are precious in the sight of God. What, what, what's another fruit? Maybe the fruit of obedience. The things that we produce in our lives. Whatever it is, whatever it is, we recognize that fruit is produced only when a branch is connected. Right? Only when a branch is connected. Time for show and tell. Do you guys know what this is? That's a zucchini. <laughs> The first time I was introduced to zucchini was at Carl's Jr., <laughs> breaded, fried, and a whole lot smaller in diameter than this. This is a zucchini. Guess where it came from? Actually, not my garden. It came from the little plot of dirt just right around here. This came from the preschool's garden. Yeah. Sam, thanks for showing this to me. Um, after this sermon, she's going to take it to the, the fellowship hall and I'm not sure what to do. <laughs> no, no, maybe we'll slice it up and dice it up. I don't know. Anyways, here's the thing. Fruit. Fruit. This came from a simple, we'll, we'll say branch, okay, that is connected to a vine. Uh, just, just to keep it consistent with John chapter 15. Okay. Here's the thing. Fruit. Does this fruit benefit the vine or the branch in any way? Okay. I guess it, it satisfies the desire for it to, to reproduce, okay? There, there are seeds in it. Okay, very, very good, very good. So when I pick this from the vine, or when I pick this from the branch, and I'm the one who enjoys it, <laughs> not like this, of course, but, but if I'm the one who enjoys it, how much satisfaction does that vine get out of it, or that branch get out of it? Let me just suggest this, that while there may be an indirect benefit to the branch, its primary benefit is for someone else. Isn't that true? I've got three apricot trees in my backyard. Praise the Lord. Oh, so sweet. That tree did not have any enjoyment or satisfaction in the fruit that I got to enjoy. The tree bore fruit, not for itself, but for someone else. 
So when we're talking about abiding in Jesus to the extent that we can bear fruit, we're talking about having a connection with Jesus that the things that produce from our lives, whether it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the things that we obey from our lives, those things are not for our benefit, not for my benefit, but it's for the benefit of someone else around me so that they can taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you understand that? So we can long for fruit, but the fruit is not for me. We can long for more patience, but the fruit is not for me. It's for someone else to see who Jesus is. We can long to obey God more. We can long to do this and to do that. We can long to bring in more disciples, but it's not for my gratification. It's so that someone else can be benefited for the glory of the Father. So here, when Jesus says, abide in me and I in you, so that you can bear much fruit, we get the idea that in John chapter 15, his highest desire, his highest priority is that you and I would bear fruit for others' blessing. So if that's Jesus' desire, if that's on the top of his prayer list, so to speak, then whatever we want, which is in accordance with whatever God wants, is that we would bear much fruit too. So what if, what if, in John chapter 15, when Jesus is saying, ask whatever you want, that whatever includes, not just that somewhere in the list, but at the top of the list, that whatever includes that we would bear more and more fruit for someone else. Could it be? Am I stretching that a little too much? Now, I'm not saying that our prayers, our asking prayers, our petitions to God be limited to that. No. But what I am saying is that our asking prayers should prioritize that. So what does that say for my personal prayer time? Yeah, pray for my personal needs. Yes, pray for specific burdens that are on my heart. But primarily, I need to be praying and asking that God would bear more fruit through me for someone else. What does that say for our corporate prayer times? Yes, we can pray for specific needs, specific individuals, specific, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We can pray for those things, but we should not neglect the priority of praying that as a church, we would bear more fruit so others can taste and see that the Lord is good. All right, so that's the content that we're talking about. When John is, when Jesus is telling us to ask, he's asking for, he wants us to ask for the things he wants. He's wanting to ask for more fruit. So, we've talked about the condition. We've talked about the content. And as we ask to give, as we ask to be a blessing, notice what the rest of John 15 says. Again, John 15, the very next verse, verse 8. The Bible says, By this my Father is, what? Glorified. By this, my Father receives glory. By this, my Father is magnified. By this, my Father is lifted up. All right, what is it? By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And how do you bear fruit? By abiding and asking. Now, this wasn't part of my my perception before. Okay, I want to bear fruit. I need to abide. No, now I realize I want to bear fruit. I need to also abide and ask. It will happen as I abide, yes, but Jesus says, ask. Now, interesting, New King James, in verse 7, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, mine says, you will ask. Does anybody else's version say, just ask? 
Anybody? Maybe you're, you've got the NIV in front of you. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you desire. Do you notice the difference there? There's a difference there because, actually, it's in Greek. It's just the difference of one letter. One is a description of what will take place. The other is a command. It's an instruction. Ask. If we, if we look at a Bible that says, okay, ask what you desire. Now, I don't think these two meanings are in contrary to each other, but they're complementary. Now, notice, if it's a commission to ask, that means it's not necessarily natural to ask when we're abiding. When we're abiding, we're enjoying that, that connection with Jesus. Oh, yes, this is so good. And it's not necessarily our first thought to ask for more fruit, but Jesus is saying, ask even more. And in verse 8, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And notice the last phrase. So, or in this way, you will be what? My disciples. In other words, genuine discipleship is demonstrated and evidenced by yours and my fruit bearing. Yours and my abounding, which is the result of our asking and abiding. Do you catch it? Yes or no? I mean, it, it's hard to kind of put these things in a, a XYZ or ABC order, but, but we've got to recognize the interconnectedness. As we abide, we ask. And as we ask, we bear more fruit. And as we abound in this, we will demonstrate that we are true followers of Jesus. In other words, asking is part of the call to be a disciple. We talked about this a little bit last week. Asking is not just a luxury in the Christian experience. Asking is not just something that you could possibly leave behind. Asking is not an option. It's part of the standard package of what it means to follow Jesus. Part of the standard package. Now, it's actually, if you move your eyes a little bit further down to verse 16, John chapter 15, verse 16, this is expressed more thoroughly. Notice, Jesus again talking to his disciples. John 15, verse 16. If you're there, say I'm there. All right, here we go. It says, you did not choose me, but I, what? Chose you and appointed you. Ooh. All right, Jesus is saying, look, you didn't choose me. You didn't like, okay, there's a there's hundred different rabbis out there. Who am I going to pick? Who am I going to pick? No, no, no. That's not how the selection process went. It was Jesus himself that came, right? Jesus himself selected. That word chose means picked out. Picked out. Oh, I love it. Jesus picked us out. And it says he, he chose you, excuse me, but I chose you and appointed you. That word there means I put you, I set you, I put you in place, I established you. So it's very directional. I picked you out and I put you in place. Okay? But I chose you and appointed you. For what purposes? That you should, what? Go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So let me ask you a question. According to this verse, what did Jesus pick us out for? There's... There, there's three different answers that you could give me from John 15, 16, right? The first answer is to bear fruit. Second answer is that that fruit should remain. 
or that fruit should last, or that fruit should endure, okay? The third answer is that we should ask. I don't know if I'm making this very, very clear, but one of the things that Jesus has called you for is to pray. One of the things that Jesus has redeemed you from, has picked you out and placed you here in Modesto is so that you could pray. One of the very things that Jesus designed for you and I to do. Inasmuch as it is important to bear fruit and demonstrate ourselves to be disciples, it is just as important to ask and demonstrate ourselves to be disciples. Asking is part of the calling. Asking is part of the calling. So if we're not asking, what does that mean for you and I? That we're not living up to our calling. It's pretty radical when you start thinking about it. I'll be honest. Prayer times have just been kind of, in, in the past, prayer times have been something of, well, I'll get to it if I can. Going to prayer meeting, I'll get to it if I'm available. But Jesus is saying, if you're not asking, you're really not abiding. If you're not asking, you're really not abounding with fruit. And in fact, if you contrast this with verse 6, remember at verse 6, it's immediately followed by verse 7, but in verse 6 it talks about anyone that does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And immediately after that, anyone who does abide in me asks. Which means that if we're not asking, maybe the opposite is we're withering. So friends, today, what is God saying to you? How is God challenging you today? How is God challenging me? Maybe your experience right now could be more characterized by withering than abounding. If you're on the withering end of things, friends, I challenge you. Ask. (laughs) Ask and abide. If you're feeling like you're withering, seek that connection with Jesus. Allow the words of Jesus to be so deeply implanted in you that you can be one with him and don't neglect to ask. So if you're withering, seek to abide. Seek to ask. Maybe you are asking. And maybe you feel like you're just misfiring or something. You've got the wrong address for heaven. All the mail just keeps getting returned. I don't know what it is. James chapter 5, verse 4, it tells me we have not because we ask not. And then in, I'm sorry, verse 2, it says you have not because you ask not. In verse 3, it says you you do not receive because you ask amiss. Maybe we're misfiring with our asking but maybe it's because we're not asking a right. And if that's the case, the whatever I desire is mismatched with whatever Jesus desires, then if that's the case, if you and I are asking amiss, maybe that's your situation you're feeling, then maybe we need to go back to seek first to abide. Abide. Allow the life of Jesus to really be your own. 
Allow these words of his to really be so deeply implanted in your heart and mind that you begin to think and feel and decide as Jesus himself would. That's not natural, friends, right? I mean, that, that, is, that is not something that can be contrived. That's not something that I can just kind of work up. No, it's something that Jesus performs as a miracle when I seek to abide in him. So whether you're withering, whether you're asking, but asking this, maybe you are abiding and you're enjoying that deep abiding with Jesus. If that's you, praise the Lord because fruit is being born in your life but I would challenge you even further, ask for more. Ask for more fruit. And maybe you're looking for, for opportunities to ask, how can I ask? I need encouragement. Maybe, maybe you want to ask along with the brothers and sisters here in this congregation or others, maybe in your workplace. I, I challenge you, gather huddles of prayer. Gather people and say, look, 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 I just realized that I don't really feel like I have much to offer to the world around me. I need to start praying for more fruit. Would you please join me in prayer? You know, someone shared with me a while back, uh, maybe that we could start a network of hope. Homes of prayer everywhere. And I believe God wants us to do that. If, if you sense that God would want you to open up your doors so that some regular time in the week, doesn't have to be an hour, doesn't have to be two hours, could just be 15 minutes, could be a power lunch, could be whatever, Okay. If you want to open up your home and be part of that hope network, please talk with me. Please, please talk with me. I'm taking a first step. Uh, Miss Jerry and I, we've taken the first step and we're saying, look, um, we're here midday at around 1130. This may not necessarily be our home, but we can do a huddle of prayer everywhere. And so in this committee room on, excuse, what did we decide? Tuesdays, thank you. Tuesdays at 1130. Maybe you have a lunch hour free and you just want to jet over here for half an hour, 45 minutes. We're going to be praying. We're going to be praying. Maybe it's just going to be the two of us. Praise the Lord, because wherever two or three are gathered, he is there in the midst. Amen? So your huddles don't have to be huge. Your homes don't have to be huge long gatherings or whatever. But I believe more prayer, more power. <laughs> the more we pray, the more fruit can be born for the glory of Jesus, for the glory of the Father. And so maybe God is laying it on your heart. Hey, you know what? I have some space at home. I'm there. Let's do it. I don't know who's going to be there, but I'll just, I'll let Pastor know and say, hey, I want to have a huddle of prayer. I want to have a home of prayer right here. So maybe that's you. We've already got several of them, by the way. Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, we meet here. In the youth chapels most nights, we're starting to try it out here in the sanctuary, expecting that we would need the room. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, Thursday mornings at 10 o'clock at Virginia Matthews House. Uh, Thursday evenings at 7 o'clock at Jean and Ron Hill's house, okay? Maybe there are others of you that, that already have homes of prayer, and I just don't know about it. So if we could actually uh, articulate or, or recognize what the network of hope is around Modesto, can you imagine what kinds of branches are going to be bearing fruit all around town? I want to see hope everywhere. <laughs> I want to see redemptive presence everywhere. And so here's, here's the challenge today. How many of us will ask? How many of us will seek to abide and to ask this week? Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Father, this is, is maybe it's bigger than I'm, I'm really realizing and I'm able to articulate. Or, or, or whatever it is, I, I thank you so much that the Holy Spirit is able to translate my feeble words 
and that your word can abide in me, that your word can abide in us. Lord, we long for that kind of oneness today, oneness with Jesus, so much so that the things that you want are the very things that we want. God, please transform our lives, transform our hearts. Please take us deeper with you. And as you do, please teach us how to ask. Please teach us how to ask according to your will. Thank you so much, Father, that you have called us to ask. May we live up to this precious calling. May we live up to what you have chosen and appointed us for. So, Father, as we leave this place, may we abide, may we abound, and may we ask for the Father's glory. Thank you so much for all that you are doing and all that you have yet to do. In Jesus' precious name, let the family say, amen. Amen. Again, if you're looking for hope groups, please talk to me. I know that there is a group that meets immediately after this service here in the committee room. Blessings to you as you pray and ask.